Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. This is Sabria Mills, your host, and I am beyond ecstatic because um, we have an amazing episode coming up, which is um, navigating the modest fashion world with the amazing Lisa and his vocal, right? Am I saying that correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. You're not okay. alone. Every, everyone messes it up. <laughs> no, but it's such, a, it's such a unique name, inshallah. Oh, welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm good, last. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, you know, this is an important conversation. And, um, Lisa, and we'll get into introductions why, but I'm really excited to just talk about, like, navigating the um, modest fashion world as well as just, like, being an entrepreneur, being a founder, um, being a woman that's paving her own way. So I can't wait to get into this discussion. But before we do, I do want to, of course, introduce the proper introductions. And the way we do introductions on the show is I typically will give my own spin on an intro okay. based on what I know about the person. And then, of course, I will let you adequately and properly introduce yourself. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners out there, um, Lisa, mashallah, she well, – well, let me just make it a little personal. I actually um, – my long-term, long-time, I would say family member, we call each other's um, brother, sister, because we grew up together. My father kind of raised him in a sense, um, which is Musa, Moses, the comic. Um, we, I did a podcast with him very early on. You know, he obviously supported my endeavors when I first started the podcast. And so he was one of my um, kind of initial guests, and he did, like, the male perspective. And after we finished the show, he was like, I have somebody I really think you should interview. And he mentioned Lisa. So that's kind of how. Yeah, I, I love him. He's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's a mess. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That I agree with you. <laughs> he is a mess. But um, but yeah. So that's how um Lisa and I connected. Alhamdulillah. Um, but also I've like personally known Verona. I've been a really huge fan. Um, I remember when news broke that it was like one of the first fashion brands, um, to make it into Macy's, kind of like uh, mainstream. So it was really, really a big talk. Um, yeah, mashallah, amongst like our my friend groups and such about this. But um, Lisa, she's um, an international. She's a fashion photographer. She's the founder of Verona Collection, which is a modest co-founder, fashion brand. Co-founder, I might add. Co-founder, okay. Yeah. Yes, co-founder. I know you have other founders. Co-founder of Verona Collection, um, which is a modest fashion brand. Um, she is, as you have a bachelor's in marketing, correct? You have a bachelor's I have in a bachelor's in marketing and cultural studies. Nice. That's really nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Verona is one of the largest e-commerce Islamic fashion brands in the United States and UK. And as I mentioned, and we'll probably get into a little bit of it um, in the podcast, but I mentioned that they were, I think they won a competition and they became featured in Macy's. I could be butchering the story, but I just remember when the news came out about them being actually a brand that was um, being featured in Macy's, like a major department store. Yeah. So you're we kind of kind of right. Now, or wait, or should I wait? Please, no, come on, correct it now. Oh, yeah. okay. okay, it's pretty close. It's uh, right. we were we, there were like only eight selected out of like we're actually not allowed to give like how many companies applied, but it was like the specifics mm-hmm. were like harder than Harvard apparently, and we got alhamdulillah, we got into the workshop at Macy's. And then we sold right on um, Herald Square. And so a technic- so we are the first, alhamdulillah, uh, fashion brand, a mm. modest fashion brand to be sold yeah. in an American department store. So, yeah. Wow. That's, 
Wow. Yeah. No, that's big. That's huge. That's huge. And then it, like, broke all over the mainstream news, right? Because, I mean, that's how so, I learned about it. I mean, I I was, like, I knew it was going to be, like, big news, but mm-hmm. we were, like, the day, and we had been planning with the PR department in Macy's for months because, like, for instance, like, when Nike released their hijab without yeah. even putting a press release, within an hour, every major news uh, outlet picked it up. So yeah. same thing happened with Macy's. Everything from the New York Times, the Vogue, to CNN. Uh, actually, CNN was, like, a, a few days later. But, like, uh, like we, I was hit with more interviews than I can, like, count. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of pressure, too, to be honest, because I had to, like, do interviews for these major publications yeah. and, like, be true to myself, represent my community, represent Macy's. So, and I got thrown into it, but wow. I, hope I, did, I hope I did okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I know you did. Um, mashallah. Okay, so let's get a proper introduction. Who are you, Lisa Vogel? Let's introduce you to our listeners. That's my it's a com- complicated answer because it's like, <laughs> like I'm a Muslim, convert yes. Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a single mother of two. I have two amazing boys, uh, four, one, he's about to be five and mm-hmm. six. They're 14 months apart. So my house is like a WWE referee, not 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> two boys. Um, yeah. So that's my personal life and my business career. Like I am the co-founder of Verna Collection, Modest Fashion. Alhamdulillah, uh, as you mentioned, we got into Macy's. Uh, we also launched in ASOS. Uh, we were the first Modest Fashion brand to launch in ASOS. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's my. And then I also serve on the advisory board for Ikna Relief on uh, nice. fighting against domestic violence. Um, it's okay. A, a cause. I am a domestic violence survivor. So mm-hmm. it's a cause that I is you know hits close to home. Uh, so that is another um, you know passion of mine to fight against domestic violence and uh, yeah. So there's a lot of wow. parts of my life and yeah, uh, yeah. I know and I know you're a busy woman, mashallah. It's a, wearing a lot of hats, but it's, it seems like you do it gracefully. And one thing I just want to say so. is, mashallah, you are what are the most humble people I've met? Like, you're just gracious, and I'm just, like, I've been, like, you know, harassing you. You don't really even know me. It's, like, so I really appreciate how gracious and kind and down-to-earth you've been in this whole process of trying to get you on the podcast. So, mashallah. I'm sorry. I've been, like, I'm so sorry, Clearly, No, you're (laughs) You're fine. I completely understand. You know, and, I I mean, this is one of the reasons why we we had you on, and I want to definitely talk about it. Um, as a lot of women are trying their best to pave their own way, follow their passions, pursue their dreams, but still remain true to themselves. So it's a good conversation. Um, but let me ask you our first central theme question. We ask everybody that's on the show. We always start off with this question, which is okay. how would you define what it means to be a dope Muslim woman? And I always define the word dope as meaning excellent, a woman living up to her full potential, a Muslim woman living up to her full potential. Uh-huh. Okay, so the question is, what is my definition of a dope Muslim? Is that Muslim like woman? Yes, dope yes. Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that being a dope Muslim is yes, we always say the phrase being unapologetically Muslim, right? We hear that all the time, mm-hmm. but it's like I feel like it's more than that, and I feel like we talk about it in the sense of like show your Muslim pride as far as like yeah. with your hijab or whatever. 
but it's more than that. Like, I feel like being a dope Muslim with being, like, being true to who you are and, like, never shying away from your identity. Like, I wrote about this, like, uh, a little, whenever I post on Instagram, I'm always, mm-hmm. like, always going to, like, feel it. I don't ever post the content. It's going to feel it. And I talked about, you know, my identity and finding my identity um, as a mm-hmm. convert to Islam, and I never really yeah. fit in, right? Uh, yeah. But I think that being adult Muslim is finding your identity and being true to who you are and not uh, not focusing on what everybody else's thoughts or judgments are on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. no, it makes, no, it makes complete sense. I went on the tangent. And it, you but know, I think really that yeah. has me kind of pondering about, like, when you said that, you kind of feel you're kind of on your own when you kind of convert and you kind of trying to find your own way in a space where people have like generations of Muslims in their family and all of that. Um, how, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did you come about coming to Islam? Um, how did that happen? So that's like, it, honestly, it stands over a course of almost a decade. And I'm like, I look back and I'm like, Allah definitely had a plan for me to become Muslim. Mm. Like, it just kept coming into my life. And like, I grew up in a very like, you know, suburban, like, mm-hmm. neighborhood. I only knew three Muslims. And okay. I didn't really know much about, like, I didn't even know anything about Islam. So there was, I think, three Muslims that I knew at my school. And, the, and I mean, over the course of, like, my entire childhood. Um, so my first introduction to Islam was when I was in college, and I made a bunch of Muslim friends. And um, I then, like, I was, I've always been the adventurous type. Like, mm-hmm. my poor mom, like, I would call her <laughs> like, Mom, I went to London. Wow. And I would just like travel. Like, yeah. Like, my mom, my mom like gave up on me. She's like, right. wherever she, she she calls in, checks in, she's safe. So I decided to take off a semester of college. Mm-hmm. I worked two jobs, saved up every penny, and I uh, moved to Morocco for three months. Wow. And okay. I taught English. <laughs> I was like eighteen or nineteen at the time. I, if I have a daughter, I will never let her do that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But um. Uh, so I went and I taught English at the American Language Center in Tangier, and I lived with the Moroccan family. And that was my first introduction to Islam, but it was more of like a cultural experience because, mm-hmm. like, the Arabic that I learned was like, can I have water? You know what I mean? Versus like, mm-hmm. actually learn, you know, like you learn your necessity, you're like the necessity right. to actually learn about Islam, but you learn how they live. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward, I came back, graduated college. Uh, I then got a job uh, in the corporate world, and I was like, this is not for me. It was just a gut feeling. I was like, I have to pursue something that I love. So without having any experience, I'm like, I'm going to be a photographer. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I quit my job, and I moved to Florida. Um, I'm definitely, one thing I can say about this, I'm not afraid to take risks. Um, yeah, yeah. So, right. but it pays off. So I moved to Florida and I decided to pursue a degree in photography. And um, the second semester in photography school, we were given um, a, like a, an assignment to do like a two minute, one or two minute documentary. And the, and the topic was whatever we wanted. It was just more about learning to edit. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a documentary on why women wear the hijab. Because when I was in Morocco, I wore it 
and I wanted to buy it or a hijab. Like I wanted to be fully like, mm-hmm. like respecting of the locals. And so I wore it, but just out of respect. So I'm like, I don't know really truly the meaning behind it. Let me research it. So I started interviewing local Muslims in Orlando, which is where I live now. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just like, my mind was just blown at their answers. And I was just like, you know, it's funny how when you're born into something and you're taught a w- certain way of thinking, mm-hmm. you, 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 it's like you generally don't like, you just kind of accept it. And you think that this is the way of life. And so everything that I was, I was taught in Christianity and, you know, a way of thinking, I never really thought outside the box, unfortunately. And so a lot of the answers that I got about hijab, a lot of misconceptions that I had, I was like, wow, I never really looked at it like that. And I never even knew hijab was in the Bible until I interviewed local Muslims. And so because of that, it interests me to start studying Islam. And nine mm-hmm. months later, subhanAllah, I decided to become Muslim. Wow. So, and I walked into the masjid by myself, like, just, uh, like, I uh, prayed to God, and I was like, is this for me? Please give me a sign. And uh, just this sense of peace just came over me and knew that this was it. So I walked mm. in, and I asked the first sister I could find, like, I'm like, I want to take my shahada. And from there, it was like, um, my life changed. Wow. Wow. So it's almost yeah. like, I mean, and, and tell me if you feel this way, but it's when I'm listening to you, what I'm hearing, it sounds like is that, you know, Allah almost used like, it, it feels like Allah used this passion that you were kind of driven to. And I don't even know if it was a random feeling of becoming a photographer or not, but mm-hmm. like use that to like open up a door to him, right, to take a step because it's like, and I know you said there were some experiences that happened, but that uh, getting into photography, interviewing those women, sounds like it really kind of pushed you in that direction. Would, I mean, do you look at it that way? Like, it was a part of, like, the work you're doing now, and it's all related to kind of how you I mean, it's like, like it, it's so much all related, subhanAllah, and this is why I say, like, when people, like, are worried about going the, the Islamic and halal path and whatever they do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, subhanAllah, believe me, Allah will open up a door. If you don't even see a door, I promise you it will open. So during uh, during um, my photography, like, mini career in the beginning, I was going to pursue fashion photography, and I was going to go into mm-hmm. mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found Islam in the middle of me trying to pursue photography. I was like, I cannot, as a Muslim, in Mm -hmm. a good conscience, be now like a part of objectifying women, Mm -hmm. right? It would have, it would have been count, like it would have, it would have gone against my new values, right? Um, and so I was, and so modest fashion at that time. This was in 2011. It barely, it was like not existent Mm -hmm. in the U.S. And so I paired up with Yazdestaz. You might know her. She's a big fashion blogger. So right. she and I are like family now, and um, you know we like we kind of paired up and we did a shoot together, and it went viral. And like from there, my photography career kind of opened up in mod- as a modest fashion photographer, something that like barely existed. And so, mm. boom, a modest fashion photography career developed, and then from there went into actual modest fashion. So that's what I'm saying. It's like wow. when you don't think that there's an avenue, Allah will open up a door. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's amazing. Now, were you the one that took the picture, the one that went viral? Were you the one that took the picture? Or were you in the picture? You no, I was a photographer, and then yeah, you were the, the photographer. Model, yeah, wow. I actually don't like to get in front of the camera too much. Okay, I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's that's a true photographer right there. So, I mean, building off of that, um, okay, let's get to Verona. How did that come about? Like, I know you're the co-founder, but how did that mm-hmm. idea build from where you were? Yeah, so mm-hmm. a couple years later, I then get married. I, I'm now divorced. Um, mm-hmm. I got married and had my first child, Ilias, like immediately. And mm-hmm. I did take a couple jobs in between, like when I was still pregnant. And then I actually, I did take like one job when I could like bring them along. When baby number two was on its way, it was like impossible, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, I need a career change. I can't be like traveling with kids. And I'm certainly, I was like, like, I was the kind of mom that could have barely even put my child down. So it was like, you know, and um, so I was like, I'm going to, I need to change careers. And I actually always loved designing as a child. I would design and my grandma would sew them for me. So like every, like all the prom and winter, like uh, dances, I I don't, I just designed them. I was like, I'm not going shopping. Except for one, when I got it. I, but I, for the most part, I would design it. My grandma would make it. So it was something that I always loved. Mm-hmm. And um, so I met Ella, Amuth, who's the other co-founder. And she had just started a brand. And I was like, look, I was, I'm just in the middle of starting one. Why don't we pair up? And so we did. And we were like, this is the perfect match. We're like polar opposites as far as people. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm when it comes to work, I am like, the most business-minded I'm like get to work and she's just like fun and you know she's a creative yeah yeah we're both like we're both like creatives as far as as, like our work styles are both completely Mm -hmm. polar opposite but it works like and so we're like sisters now she's family to me um and yeah we just decided to launch and we launched with seven thousand dollars which is like Mm. covered everything like photography photo shoots website like uh the model, uh, product, everything, and we started shipping out of our closet. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And just from there, okay, so you, after you guys kind of built that brand, like you said, the modest fashion world, now when it was developed, what was was the world of modest fashion looking like at that time? Was it still kind of non-existent or... I mean, of course, and what I want to be clear is we, mm-hmm. there were t- obviously tons of like, you know, uh, people selling modest clothing, but as far yeah. as like create, creating brands out of it, it wasn't, uh, it really didn't exist too much in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, there's been a lot of like great, like brands that have come up since then, like Melanie uh-huh, Hijab, she, she started before us. She's doing amazing, mashallah. Like, yeah. So there's like brands out there that are just like popping, and I love seeing like, it's like, I just love like these Muslimas out there like doing their thing and creating these amazing brands. Mhm. Mhm. For sure. For sure. Okay. So how do you navigate the industry now that you're kind of mainstream? Like, how does that? What does that look like? 
now that you're I mean, navigating it as far as like yeah like I mean obviously the fashion world is and I'm talking about mainstream because um, you guys mm-hmm. consider yourself pretty mainstream at this point right I would I would hope so yeah yeah I would I would think so um yeah <laughs> how do you, how do you navigate that industry how do you stay even consistent and um to modest fashion like has it been challenging or is it just the doors are now wide open and then we have Helena Aiden um, we have so many changes happening in the fashion world I mean I don't yes we keep up with trends right yes we mm-hmm. want to we want to like follow that right but there was how do I say this okay so there was there's actually this fashion photographer that I spoke with and he shoots for Vogue and he is like out there I certainly don't want to call him on my name right right. and I was and I was in I was in Beverly Hills having coffee with him Mm -hmm. and um this was before Macy's happened and he was like look if you want to make it you need to play the game Mm -hmm. and I'm like that's not happening (laughs) like (laughs) like like, in other words, he, he, he basically insinuated, you need to conform, mm-hmm. you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. The panel mm-hmm. of one year later, Macy's came about. We launched at Macy's. So whatever's going out in quote-unquote mainstream doesn't necessarily mean it needs to dictate where we're going. Like, mm-hmm. we are our own brand, and we want to, like, put out there what we love and what our, what our customer base loves and what they want. So regardless of what's necessarily going on in quote-unquote mainstream, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to dictate to where we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. And that's um... – that really shows that you guys, like I said, are really committed to what you're doing, as well as, like, as Muslim women, that's kind of how we should be operating in the world. And like you said, that's how those doors are open. Um, I have what, – what I've seen now, like I said, in just the fashion world um, is a huge influx of um, Muslim models um, now. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Halima Aiden was the first very public one. I'm sure there were other ones, but very public, you know, one that's out there. I have a friend that's you know, in the Muslim um, Muslim modeling kind of, I'm excuse me, modest fashion model pathway. Um, have mm-hmm. you seen doors open and has Verona contributed to that, which I'm sure it has, but has Verona been able to contribute to Muslim models being able to kind of come on the scene and be noticed and picked up? I mean, by, I would yeah. like to think that we've contributed. Obviously, it's not you know, Verona, it's been a collaborative effort with like a lot of other brands and then like mm-hmm. getting, you know, one of the biggest things when we launched, it wasn't, it wasn't just like, let's have a successful brand. It was like, we wanted to give Muslim women like the confidence to be proud in their identity and like wear the hijab mm-hmm. with pride if they choose to wear it. And so, yeah, like we have, you know, we put like all like hijabis on our Instagram that kind of like created Muslim models. And it, it was when we actually launched, we were like, it was this question, do we put mm-hmm. non-hijabs, only hijabis and non-hijabs? Because we don't want it to be a brand that is like, you're not as mu- much of a Muslim if you don't right. want hijabs. You definitely don't want to be like that because that's not who we are. But right. then we were like, but if we put a hijabi out there, it's a known fact that this is run by Muslim women. And so mm-hmm. we chose to go that route for the sole fact of, like, we didn't want to shy away from the identity, not because it was, like, only for hijabis. We are, right. we are a modest brand, whether it, whether it's, like, 
a non-Muslim, you know, a Muslim without hijab, a Muslim that wears hijab, you know, but we chose to do it and put hijabi models out there just for the sake of, like, we didn't want to shy away from the identity. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, our contribution to, um, like, did we help create Muslim models? I think it's 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 been a collaborative because there's been so many brands out there that have put Muslim models out there and it's certainly Verona couldn't have done it alone and other brands, you know, but because we all kind of rose up together, I, I feel like a lot of these Muslim models, mashallah, are thriving. Yeah. Mashallah. Mashallah. May Allah make everybody successful. I mean, um, so I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit because um, obviously a lot of people are just inspired by the ideas first of all, have an idea, going with it and being successful at it. So you kind of mentioned, I think, what was the term you said, you described yourself? Would you said risk? You're not afraid of risk? Is that what you said? I'm definitely you? not afraid. I'm okay. definitely not afraid to okay. take risks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So <laughs> I want to talk about that just for a second because I think it's, it's important. So um, I think you spoke a little bit about the fact that that is somewhat a part of your personality. You've kind of always been that way. Um, mm-hmm. But Speak to me a minute about some of the pros and cons of that, because for some of us out here, we're really afraid of taking risks um, and maybe more afraid than we need to be. But just Mm -hmm. as a person that has not been afraid of taking a lot of risks, what are some of the pros and the cons to just going right out there, have an idea, just I'm just going to go out there and take a risk and do it? Okay, so Mm -hmm. I think it's important to say that you should take risks, but calculated risks. Okay. Because our risks well thought out. I mm-hmm. don't take risks that are like uh, on the fly, no thought to it, no like, like I'm gonna think about it and I'm gonna do the planning and I'm gonna do the work. Okay. okay. So I get a lot of people, and Marshall, I'm thankful that they have the passion to want to start. Like when we're talking about in the context of starting a business, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that that's the context. Yeah, yeah um, it is. Like, and uh, they. I can tell that they have not done the work okay? mm-hmm. because they'll come to me and want advice and I, and I'm always willing to help people, but you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. We planned nine months before launching Verona. It was not this overnight success. It was not this, like anybody that act, like sees this like clinical success stories, there is work and work and work and work and work that goes behind it and I still mm-hmm. work just as hard if not more from when I start like my day started at 6 a.m and I will be working probably until midnight tonight like that is my day today and like between meetings and phone calls and emails and all that um so it's like I people need to take risks but they also need to take calculated risk and has the and, and put in the work before they before they take that risk mm. wow wow so when you say put in the work, just to be a, lot, a little bit more specific, so you have this idea. Let's just put it out there. We're talking about in the context mm-hmm. of a business or career-wise. Um, you have this idea. Um, you, what, start sitting down planning for it. You make a timeline. You set some goals. Are there some, like, sort of tips or strategies to be successful or to even be able to say, okay, I, I put in the work? before actually did this. Um, so, yeah, are, I would yeah, agree with, like, like, 100% writing out a plan, as a business plan, and how you're going to follow it. That's step one. Okay. Step two, like, 
I like the way I operate is I go through checklists. This is mm. the shipping, and I've done the research on this, the website, and I've done the research on this. And like you, I basically created the checklist of every part of the moving part of the business. How will customer service emails be handled? How will packaging be complete? What will our logo look like? Do we need to be registered in the state? And it's literally like an entire checklist that you go down the list and get things done. That's actually even how I operate my entire day. Before okay. I go to bed tonight, I will have a list of things that I need to get through tomorrow. And I go through it as a checklist, mm-hmm. and I pretty much, and for the most part, I won't finish, like I won't go to bed until everything's finished. So just okay. like starting a business and like I, everything, you have to write your goals down, what mm-hmm. needs to get done, and then you execute it. People look at these like major like tasks as like starting a business. It's not as da- like it's not as daunting as you think it is because if you really just break it down into small parts and bit by bit by bit and you get things done each you know in each section, you'll get it all done and mm. you'll launch it. So people like look at the whole picture versus like separating things and just getting little tasks done. That's all it is. Mm. People also make things more complicated than they are. Right, right, and, yeah, and and they think that they're that they're not capable of doing it. You are like I was capable of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like people underestimate themselves all the time, and I think it comes down to the fear of failure. But really, mm-hmm. like, um, I fail all the time, and it's just about being able to pick yourself back up and keep going. Mm, right, fear of failure. That's a really good point. Um. You know, I had this interesting conversation with my most recent guest on a podcast. Um, her episode is not out either, but we just had this recent conversation, and we were actually talking about this idea. I mean, she launched launched a business too, um, and just kind of pushing past fear and just going ahead and doing it. And she interestingly associated um, that final push for her being um, associated with a major life change. I'll put it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, she got divorced. um, That major, she had a plan. She was working her plan throughout the process, but it was kind of like after that major life shift, she was actually able to execute like at a higher frequency, I guess, maybe with less fear, you know, um, less restriction. I know you spoke a little bit and you definitely don't have to like get into your personal life or anything, but you did bring up, you know, the fact of being a single mom and all these different things and how you had an idea. And then I think you said you ended up getting divorced. Would you, do you agree with that? Do you think that sometimes major life changes kind of contribute um, to women's like really exponential growth, like being able to really grow in a very, at a very fast pace? (laughs) I mean, for me, it definitely, I'm sure there's an element that it helps me, that pushes me. Um, and I'm, my, my story is actually very public. So as far okay. as I went very, okay. very public with it. So we're not touching okay. on anything that's not art. Okay. <laughs> it's not like blasted <laughs> everywhere. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, but for me personally, it was, I already had the passion and desire to like really move forward, but a hundred percent when I was um, at a point where I'm like, I have got to make this work. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's an element that pushes me, you know, I'm like, I mm-hmm. have to make this work for my children to provide for my kids to put a roof over their head. And like, um, when you become in this like fight or flight mode, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, 
uh, we underestimate, you know, what we're capable of. So, like, mm. it, beca- it becomes this, like, you know, survive, I, I guess like, not fight or flight, but that wouldn't be the best way to describe it, but our survival mechanism where it's, like, uh, we have got to survive, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's really a good point. And I think also, um, you know, in my experience, I'm just going to speak personal for a second, but I just remember being so, like, I'm a woman that I got married when I was 19, and I got divorced, like, six years later, and um, I was really young. <laughs> but um, I remember just being, like, a totally different person. I was really, like, afraid of my own voice and everything like mm-hmm. that, and it was just, like, until, like, that experience. Not that I'm definitely not promoting this idea, but it was just in that experience and in that journey and even, like, through the divorce and kind of learning some things, it was like, wow, like, I really was able to um, blossom. And I always say it was, like, one of the greatest blessings that I experienced personally just because of Allah really showing me myself through that process. Um, so it's, it's just interesting. It's so that. true, though. Like, yeah. 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 And I, just, I mean, when you become in this, like, you know, these, horrible like and I'm sorry to interrupt you but no please I agree finish. with you yeah. yeah no 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 finish we're, we're just chatting here <laughs> like uh, it's just when you come in the when you go through such like traumatic experiences subhanallah mm-hmm. is when you find yourself the most you know yeah and like there's always a plan on why you're going through something so yeah yeah, yeah. I think I think they're all my like struggles um you know things that I face it it actually like I became I even became more confident in my own skin. It's almost like mm-hmm. sometimes you, ha- you have to hit rock. It's like you have to right. hit rock bottom yeah. in order to realize what's important in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why I have an attitude of, like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Kind mm. of in the sense of not, like, if I hurt someone that I deeply care. If I, you know, if I send someone that I deeply care, that right. I, I care. But I'm talking about superficial judgment, like, mm-hmm. oh, she gained a little weight. Oh, she – that kind of stuff, I don't care. Because wow. I'm just like, if that's what your mind is consumed about, I'm sorry. I have more important things in life to focus on. I need to focus on my kids, putting food on the table, putting roof over their head, you know, domestic violence, advocacy. These are the things that are, you know, my relationship with the lost one is Allah, which is the most important. You know, like, those are the things I need to be concerned about not mm-hmm. you know it's almost so like i know i'm getting off topic but it's almost like when you hit rock bottom you just truly mm-hmm. find yourself and realize what's important yeah yeah i mean we've i've heard that story over and over again and um, we even had a podcast called from struggle to success which was you know a sister that became a doctor and she was explaining you know her um, experience and how she even got there and she she said that even her drive to success did become some form of coping mechanism to mm-hmm. her trauma, which was really, you know, which was really intriguing for me to kind of explore that within myself. But no, it's not off topic, but it's, it's really, like I said, it's helpful for us as women to be introspective and to look at um, maybe some of the things that contribute to that. But I also look at it in the way of just to walk up. Like, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you have no choice but to trust and rely on Allah, right? So exactly. it's like once you start doing that, you start operating at a whole nother on a whole nother level, right? So the mm-hmm. doors just swing right open. So subhanAllah. Um, but yeah, so I know that mashallah, you are a mom. So how on earth do you navigate? <laughs> oh like, seriously, like how do you navigate? I don't, I don't navigate it. My yeah. kids are crazy. Like <laughs> I don't navigate it. Like people are like, mashallah, how do you?
do you do it? I'm like, I don't. I don't right. know. Like, I'm right. driving myself crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids are the children that are like, mashallah, may Allah protect them and all of their I mean, energy. But I mean. they're, they're the ones that are getting the masjid announcements of like, can you please get your children? <laughs> and I'm like trying to make a beeline out for the masjid so no one knows I'm with them. <laughs> like, I just like, and I'm like, not people that know my kids know how hyper they are. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I literally, like I just my like I just tried to like I'll try to get take them and like like uh, really like activities give them a soccer run their energy out you know and then like I just try to keep a really tight schedule with them you know yeah I'm like I'll get you just like for me like that's how I do it I just like I just keep a really strict schedule and mm-hmm. I just stick to it you have to yeah you know? and then yeah. I try to keep like weekends like just for family time as much as possible mm-hmm. unless they have an event, you know, like have an Omar Salaman event this weekend with Muslim Aid or, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I just wow. tried to keep it strict there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my kids run up, my kids like boss me around. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, mashallah. That's growing boys for you. I mean, I have three girls here. You know, busy. Everybody asks me the same question too. It's like, how do you, you know, how do you manage five? And it's like, mashallah. I don't know. I just feel like. Wait, you have it, five? No, I have three girls. Oh, um, I yeah. Have five. I, yeah, I have three daughters. Um, and um, yeah, people always ask, like, how do you, how do you do? You know, because I do like kind of multiple things. But um, yeah, it's just. You no, know, I heard three <laughs> is the hardest number. I heard that. I think so. Thing. Because yeah. it's like, when I went for, I mean, you have two, but like two, I was like, chilling and cool and then three like I had anxiety when I tried to go to the grocery store it was like so bad like it was just so bad <laughs> where they're like throwing things and you're like yeah trying the I know. goal is to get out as fast as possible and it just seems like yeah. it's just a lot of kids like three just seems like like you're just like I don't know like it's just I don't know the woman in the shoe the woman in the shoe what I was <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a trip but uh mashallah so that's that's amazing but what does your day typically look like are you because I mean now you know obviously you're a woman that's an entrepreneur you got your own business is it a lot of work from home or is it like moving around yes so I do work from like right now the kids are at their dad so I do have custody of the kids but there's Mm -hmm. like a time schedule so like when I do travel some people are like seeing me travel and I'm like that's actually the time I only book my travel when my kids are with their dad already so I don't lose any time on them so when I do have them my and I do have the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up, first pleasure, and you know, it's like I'm telling you, subhanAllah, like when you miss pleasure, there's always something that goes wrong in the day. It's like I feel mm-hmm. like my day just goes more smoothly when you start when it's like, you know, when you're not missing pleasure. Wake up for uh, for pleasure. I try to stay up, if not get a little bit more like half hour sleep in. Get up, get the kids in, uh, get ready for school immediately, take one son to kindergarten take another one to vpk which is like basically preschool and i go to starbucks and i mm-hmm. like usually will work uh send emails but a lot of times i have my phone calls and you know within that time frame uh then i go pick up my other son uh that and, you know doing again like pickups and everything so and then i try to get them like some type of activity um then homework time bath time dinner time and then when they go to bed, I get right back on the computer and I get work done. And so, like, I do kind of really maximize my entire day. I really, truly mm. don't get much, um, like, 
downtime. Yeah. So that's why when it gets to the weekends, I really try to, like, put my computer away. I do something mm-hmm. fun with the kids. Like, last weekend, I took them to, the, you know, go to the zoo, go to the beach, go to Disney, wherever. That's the yeah. thing of living in Orlando. They can... Right, like, right. I think Disney is, like, going to, like, the regular park. And the like, park, I'm yeah. Really I know. Spoiled. When you told me that. I know. When you, because I didn't actually know you knew you live in Florida, but you were like, yeah, you know, sorry, I just decided to take my kids to Disney, you know, when we were talking about them. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, did you, when I posted, did you when I posted on that? Or yeah. No, yeah. My, my kids think it's, like. Like, they'll be like, I don't want to go to school. I want to go to Disney. I'm like, that is not a normal comment. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, like, you guys don't realize what you're saying. Please don't say yeah. that. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, outside of no, Florida. We, outside of Orlando. <laughs> I live here, so it's kind of this. It's easy. It's a little it's easier. easier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So do you, um, do you take, I mean, obviously that takes a lot of energy. Is is your diet strict? Do you take something for energy? Are you like a coffee girl? I, like, I what do you do to make things? Today I do go to the gym. Okay, I do, but like today in this, which is like, I'm gonna get up and go running in the morning. I do like make sure I really try to like uh, exercise every day for the most mm-hmm. part. I've missed okay. the past week has been like out of control, so. Not as much as I normally do, but yeah, I actually eat like really healthy. Like mm-hmm. my diet, like is like salads, 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 and then like you know my coffee. I guess is like my cheat. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the healthiest thing to have, but yeah, I actually okay. I think it's important to like stay physically healthy because it helps you with energy and like right. you know getting through the day. And it changes your like taking an hour a day to exercise like changes your entire like. Mm-hmm. like you just mind better and everything yeah yes everything and you can just like take an hour for yourself and just like be stressed you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it kind of yeah. energizes you so it's yeah. really important for me to keep up with that's amazing that's amazing how does how does friendships play a role into all of this like what's your busy lifestyle do you have time for friends do you just I'm, like, really blessed to have, like, really amazing friendships. And okay. I feel like, um, like, you know, you know, things that I've been through in my personal life, um, mm-hmm. you realize it's really not about the number of friends that you have. And it's, like, mm-hmm. really, truly about, like, um, the quality of friends. And so, like, just one hour ago, my one of my best friends, Ola, she's, like, a sister to me. She was, uh, she came over for a quick 30 minutes you know we've been like sisters like a decade you know mm. and then like I'm really close to my friend Russia and like or Lila and Tampa like so there's like maybe like a handful of people that I'm just like are like sisters to me okay. and I have a lot of acquaintances from there so I do like yes I don't get to like hang out as much because it's like the times that I don't have my kids I'm on the road like tomorrow I go to Michigan and see mm-hmm. University of Michigan um but when I am here and like you have time with friends, you make the most of it. So okay, okay, so you yeah. make it work. Make it work. You make it work. Yeah. You, di- you didn't have. You didn't have to let go, or or did you? Let me just ask. Phrase it as a question. Did you have to let go of friends as life sort of took off, especially like post Macy's with Verona? Did Did you um, have to? Did something shift? I should say. I would definitely say that there were some, you know, there were, like, like, the real friends are, like, the, 
you know, when you go through things, whether it be my divorce or whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden my schedule goes crazy, like, the real friends are understanding, and they know mm-hmm. that it's, like, if all of a sudden I'm not answering, I'm not ignoring them, like, they know that it's, like, you know, but I'm also, like, I also put family and friends before everything else, you know, like, mm-hmm. my, you know, so I do think that, like, they know that it's, like, I might get, like, they might get a quick answer, but I'm going to get back to them, like, right away, um, mm-hmm. so I, I feel like the real friends will stick around, you know, yeah. and that's, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, that's a, and that's a life lesson for a lot of a lot of us that are on on this journey, on this path of trying to pursue um, whether it's our dreams or things that we're divinely called to, our passions, our gifts, whatever that may be. But it's it's a journey um, of process, like you said, of of realizing that those that are real and consistent, they'll be there. And then sometimes you do have to let some go. You kind it's, of it's not even like even there's an effort, so like yeah, it's just you just recognize who's real and who really yeah. has your back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a good point. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, well, um, Lisa, I'll try to call you Verona. That's the truth. But Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Lisa. Oh, we are coming towards the end of this podcast and um, I'm deeply appreciative of the honest, candid conversation. First, I was like, we're just going to talk about modern and fashion, but I think it's just your story is so interesting and, and it's inspiring. So I kind of, I did kind of hijack the um, interview for like my own benefit, but um, just oh, nice. <laughs> no, it, was, it was just, a very, I mean, your story is very inspiring and it helped um, let's just put some things in perspective just for me personally. So I appreciate you Aww. on a personal level. And of course, just making so. time. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. And um, again, if we could just drop, um, most people I know they know, but um, what is the best way to support Verona? Just the website, or where where can we go if we want to look learn more about Verona collections? We want to purchase something. Okay, so definitely Verona collection dot com, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. If I can plug something in real quick, yeah, if please. I may, because this is a really, really amazing initiative that we're doing. Um, so Verona has paired up with Penny Appeal, and mm. I'm not sure if you are familiar with Penny Appeal. It's an amazing charity. Yeah, yeah they're like mm-hmm. an awesome charity, um, and um, we are launching, and it's coming up this Friday. We're launching a hijab line called Hijab for Humanity. Every penny of profit, Verona does not make a dime. Every penny of profit goes straight to Penny Appeal and to women empowerment programs. And they will be funding, uh, like, things like job training and income generation programs where they will be giving women in places like Palestine, Uganda, Brazil. There's, like, I think another country on the list. And it's going Mm -hmm. to help get these women up on their own feet to have a sustainable income. And so we're really excited about that program. And so this is not just about Verona. Like we have really pushed, you know, we are there to stand for women empowerment, but this is like putting our money where, the, where our mouth is. And mm-hmm. it's like, we will be funding this. So please like, if you're listening, support that because it is like an awesome initiative and it really, truly helps change lives. So the okay. line is called Hijabs for Humanity. Um, Hijabs for Humanity. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's going to be on the Verona website. It's verona-collection.com. Okay. And it's an exclusive printed line that can only be found in Verona. Um, so, yeah. so, yes. Obviously, so I'm on the website, right? Too, but... 
Yeah, no, no, no. It's I, not I, on I just want to make sure. Okay, it's not there. It's going to be Friday. Okay, yep, it's say, on I'm Friday. <laughs> okay, so we can find it on the website. Will yes. it be on the main it page? Will on, it will like, be, there will be a link that says okay. Jobs for Humanity. Um, okay. And it launches, I'm not sure when this is getting released, but we're launching on February 21st. And it's going to be kind of in, you know, uh, going alongside of Women's International, um, International Women's Day is coming up. So it's going to be like kind of all prepared with that. Nice. We're just nice. doing an early launch. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Okay, cool. So we are going, and I'm sorry, how long is this launch for? It's like, going to be, it's going to be like continuous, inshallah. So okay. Like we're going to be constantly, once this line sells out, we bring out another and we are going to be, inshallah, changing lives through like, you know, it's, you can buy, yes, please also buy hijabs, but this hijab is going to be like actually impactful oh, for women. Wow. SubhanAllah. Okay. So we definitely want to definitely go ahead and support that on Verona. Yeah. V-E-R-O-N-A dash collection.com. They Correct. also have, I, I just was on the website, and they also have an amazing blog. I saw some of it, and I'm like, wow, this is really, um, really, really good um, articles that they have here. Very short The Verona blog? The, the blog, yeah. Yeah. We like yeah. to talk about real issues and not just. Yeah, not this just fashion. We really yeah, a lot of woman empowerment stuff. So good stuff here. I'm actually gonna read a few when we end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you so much, Lisa. And I know that you have, you know, a night full of tasks ahead of you. Um, inshallah. <laughs> yeah, inshallah. But um, inshallah, we, I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to supporting that initiative starting Friday. And I wish you all the best, and may Allah bless you and make you you and your founders and your company successful inshallah in a in a force to continue to empower Muslim women and provide a voice for us all. So inshallah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Take care. Again, this is another episode of the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast. This is your host, Sabria Mills, and we are very grateful for Lisa Vogel. Again, support Verona Collection. Support the Dope Muslim Woman podcast by liking us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribing to us on all of our platforms on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. Again, thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum.